The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. All right, here's some of the questions that we should have our president asked today. He's, you know, he's in Argentina at the G20. Mr. President, Mr. President, how was your meeting with China's president? Mr. President, Mr. President, have you ended the trade war? Mr. President, Mr. President, um, insert anything relevant here that might show that we've solved any problems that actually will affect us. But that's not going to happen. Instead, we're going to have Mr. President, Mr. President, can you tell us what you uh, what you said to Robert Mueller? Mr. President, Mr. President, you told the American people that you've never had any dealings in Russia. And now yesterday you came out and said, yeah, I was I was trying to build a Trump Tower in Moscow at the time. What? No problem with that. Oh, dear God. Mr. President, Mr. President, could I ask you this? Why do you make it so tough? Why do you do this to your supporters? Stop it. Stop it. You make it really hard to defend. Because what we have to say is, no, it doesn't matter. And we all know that lying matters. We all know that. But we don't say that because by saying that, then the press has more ammunition to come after you. But it hurts us because we have to say, what, it doesn't matter. Of course it matters. Of course it matters. You say you care about us, and I I believe you. Can you just not lie to us? Just don't just don't lie to us. Since he was president, how many times? Eleven times? Fifteen times since he was president? Did he say, I have no dealings in Russia? I don't, I was never, nobody to the best of my recollection had any dealings with uh, the Russians. Uh, about 14 14 times i mean why why you we have now the signed document where you signed off on a letter of intent to build a, a a trump tower in moscow while you were saying there was nothing going on why and he, he, nobody's gonna nobody 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 would have had a problem if you would have just come out and said yeah i'm trying to build a trump tower what i'm a businessman i try to build them all over the world right right everyone knows we, that that's his business that's your business why would you do that <sighs> so now we've got really really important meetings the uh president g is this is one of the most important meetings. This could decide whether or not the world goes to war in the next two years. Literally, it's that important. Meeting with the president of China. Now, the president said last night, you know, that he's not sure he even wants to do a deal with President uh, uh, Z. Why? Because of all the tax revenue coming in from China for because of the trade, you know, uh, embargo or the the uh, trade tariffs. Come on. Now, I'm hoping that that is just hyperbole getting ready to meet. That's you know, that's what you do. Well, I'm not really interested in that car over there that I've been drooling over for the last two years. I don't know. I'm not really in the market for the car right now. I just happen to be, well, I live across town and I drove 45 minutes in traffic to get to your car lot, but I'm not really that interested. Hopefully it's that kind of thing. 
Hopefully, it's just a negotiating tactic. But the one thing that I have learned is absolutely nothing, nothing this president said or says or tweets should be discussed. Just what he does. Just that. Just that. If we were just looking at what this president does, he'd be pretty popular. He'd be pretty popular. He wouldn't be having all of these problems. But because of what the president says, people get their their panties in a bunch. Look at look at how much look at how much every time he tweets, the press goes crazy. And you know what? Oh, what's so infuriating about this is the way the press reacts every single time. Once again, they I, I read from I read two stories from two people at CNN that said, you know, this is the first time that I felt we really have him here. <laughs> they always really feel they, you feel, you said that every time. It's always the first time yeah. for them. It's this great. is really the first time. Really, when he was on the bus talking about you know touching women, you didn't feel that. <laughs> it's like a prostitute wow. constantly over and over uh, losing their virginity. Yeah, that's what happens with the press yeah. every time. every time. They, every time it's brand new. Yeah, every time. I think Madonna wrote a song about that at yeah. one point, uh, and uh, it's amazing the press can continue to do it. You're right. I mean, it, and and the thing is about what Trump says and tweets. He himself says over and over again that he's negotiating. Right? We're not supposed to, you know, talk like people will talk when we were complaining about tariffs. A lot of people will say, "Well, he's just negotiating," and you know, I mean, I, don't, I think that one he has implemented, so that no longer is really a talking point. But the point is, he says he's negotiating all the time. So if he's negotiating, he has some right, some agenda to win some battle he's trying to do behind the scenes or whatever. Well, you, there's no reason to to listen to those words specifically. And I, you know, look, it's a it's a double standard because I would not have accepted that from Barack Obama um, because when he said things, I wanted to help hold them to to them. But you know, but, Trump it makes an art a form of it. He's not even. Tr- I mean, this is a great point in that his supporters. Don't, should not have to deal with trying to defend these things. Look, I, I know he this. He didn't even do anything wrong trying to build it. His business is building towers in other countries. This do is you, what he does for a living. Do you remember? Do you remember how many times when I was at Fox and we were at the very height of all the controversy around me? How many times I came on the air and I said, "I'm really sorry," because I know it makes it hard to defend me. Oh yeah. Okay. I used to say that all the time because mm-hmm. I would say something stupid. And it would be taken out of context or whatever, or it was just plain stupid. And I knew that it caused you trouble to defend me. And you'd be like, oh, thanks, Glenn. Thanks. <laughs> now you've added that to the pile. Okay. And I, and I know that. And that's what I'm, I'm begging the president. Please, please. If you look at the Trump, uh, Trump's policies, he's a good president. Some of them are really good. I mean, I think the best example of the trade thing is kind of a big one that's starting to really scare the hell out of me. But but the best example of this is Russia. If you look at what he says about Russia, 
you would think, oh, well, he's way too friendly with Vladimir Putin. A lot of people believe, you know, you, you see that, and it's it's notable. I mean, I know because if, it is notable right. on what he says, right? But what, if you look at what he does, his policies are pretty hawkish against very Russia. hawkish. The administration has taken a lot of major steps against Russia through this period. This has not been a, a presidency that has kissed no. the butt of Vladimir Putin nope. just because he said a few nice things in press conferences does not mean that the actions of the administration uh, back, you know, go down that road. And I think if if you realize that Trump is a guy who he's a big talker, right? He's saying that, you know, I have the best I have the best of everything in the world. And, you know, for years when he was back in the in the entertainment days, people would know, OK, he's saying that, but it's bluster. He's talking big. We get that. We're not really going to pay attention. We know he's not actually meaning it's the biggest or best in the world. And this is the thing here. It's like he he it, because he says something in public or he says something to the press or he's fighting with the press and says something defensive like I have absolutely no business with Russia. It, you can't take it seriously so, because you don't know what the truth is until right. that's why and, we've been saying with it, the Mueller thing. Let's just wait for it to come out and we'll read it. And here's what liberals and the press don't understand. They look at us and this is what's so frustrating is because there's. Look, 70% of this nation, sick to death, sick to death of this crap. I think it's actually 80% that they're exhausted by this. They don't want to play this game anymore. They don't want to fight. They just want everybody just to shut up and do their job, okay? And what the press doesn't understand is that there are many people in America that are so tired of the lies of the press, not just the Trump lies, but the lies that have gone on forever and the double standard forever. Trump hate. I mean, uh, Bush hates black people. They didn't care. They didn't care. How can you possibly say that? Do, uh, uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Dick Cheney blew up the levees. George Bush knew about the towers when 60 percent of of Democrats believed that in 2005 that George Bush had something to do with 9-11. Now, of course, they deny it and say we're not into conspiracy theories. Well, the evidence is there. okay, and that came from a press not being a bulldog on that stuff. They were at best neutral. It's why I went on the air and said, we're going to get to the bottom of the FEMA camp thing. I'm going to find out if they're happening or they're not. I'm going to go in with an open mind and I'm going to say, are they happening or not? I get I get bashed as a conspiracy theorist because I said, are they happening or not? We're going to tell you next week. And the answer, by the way, was uh, no. Was no. And quite honestly, I was pretty sure the answer was no, unless Dick Cheney had been building underground camps. Right. But look at the way the press approached the birtherism stuff. Right. They went out and um, uh, they did segments on it, debunking it every day. They'd show you all the documents. They'd go back and show all the history, the reports in the newspapers. They did such a, uh, a thorough job debunking that. They did not do that with Bush. They did not. They did not try to debunk. They don't try to debunk the crazy conspiracies nope. against Trump. Nope. They don't do it. They just let them sit out there and don't really answer yep. them. And and again, and in fact, at credibility. times with him, in fact, they spread them through speculation. Mm-hmm. 
They just spread them and then they don't correct them afterwards. And they never apologize for saying, you know what, we we were wrong on this one and make a big deal out of it. Nobody cares about your apology that happened one time, two o'clock in the afternoon after you've spent three weeks saying it. Yeah. And it's not universal there. I mean, I've heard Jake Tapper specifically go after uh, conspiracy theories even against Trump. And and Jake Tapper, I think, is in a different category. Most times it's it's not universal, but it's common. It's it is way very too common, common and, it, and it, so, it, it, it's why it's why so many people agree when he says, you know, the, the enemy of the people, because it feels that way a lot of times. Right. So look at the border. So when you're when you're sitting here, media, you're like, how can these people how can they just keep putting up with the president lying about this? Because in our minds, this is what happens. A, I know the president lies. I get it. Uh, what I thought I was uh, I was I was voting for the Pope. I was voting for Mother Teresa. Please, I've baked all of this crap in a long time. You really thought we thought Cohen was a good guy? Come on, we knew he was a slippery fixer. That's who he was. So we've already baked that in. Now, are we happy about this? No. But here's what we think. If Donald Trump would have said during the election, uh, yeah, well, I'm trying to build Trump Tower, which there's nothing wrong with that, as long as it's disclosed. There's nothing wrong with that. That's his job. I I was shocked when he denied it so vehemently because I'm like, of course, he's trying to he's trying to build one in my backyard. He's trying to build them everywhere. What do you mean? In all of in all of Russia, he doesn't want to put a hotel. Of course, he does. Every businessman wants to do expand and make more money. Correct. Uh, And that's one of the reasons we like. So we knew that. However, him saying, yeah, I've got business dealings in Moscow right now. What would the press say? He's in bed with Moscow. Mm hmm. So if he would have admitted it, they would have made it into exactly what it is today. Not what it actually was, but what it is today. A big scandal. They would have used it against him. So what happens, and let me explain this one more time as simply as I can to the media and to people on the, on the left, not to the left, people who are Democrats. Look. We don't like this either. We don't like this either. But what is he supposed to do when you've got a when you have a media that will take anything and everything and turn it into a massive scandal? When the media, the media created this guy. They created him in two ways. Donald Trump, if we trusted the news during the uh, Obama administration, if they were actually telling us what was really going on and did investigations when when the government was out of control and when Obama was clearly lying about things like Obamacare, that was a third of our economy. That's the greatest health care system the world has ever seen. And he lied $2,500 back for every family. No, that's not possible. The math shows that's never possible that you can keep your doctor. No, here is the documented evidence that that will not happen. But you let it slide. 
until what a year after we lost our doctors and we're paying higher prices because we didn't trust you at all. We needed somebody like Donald Trump to tell you, shut up. That's not healthy. And you created him in another way because you thought he was going to be the easiest candidate to beat. You ran wall to wall coverage on him. You took down everyone else in his path, but you just loved him for ratings and you thought he was going to be the easiest one for Hillary to beat. Well, you were wrong now, weren't you? And you can't live with yourself. You'll never admit to that, but he is your creation. So now you don't like it. Oh, what a surprise. All right, let me talk to you a little bit about uh, Casper Mattress. Switching to a Casper Mattress is really a no-brainer. It's a great sleep. You're going to really love it. And if you don't, I mean, I don't want you to take my word for it. Sleep is very individual. You may hate it, um, and, but that's the point. Sleep is, is very individual. That's why Casper has 100 nights of you trying it, off, uh, trying it out in your own home. They send it to you in this little teeny box that you can carry in. You know, you, you move a mattress and you're like... Guys, can you come on over? We gotta move a mattress. Uh, it's not that way. They deliver it to you in this little teeny box that you yourself can pick it up. Um, I mean, literally, it's like uh, it's smaller than the old computer monitor, uh, monitors when you had an IBM. It's that kind of box. You you throw it on the bed. You open it up. Trust me. Do not cut the cords on the inside until you have it where you want it to be. Because all of a sudden, it just flops open, and there's this huge mattress. Now, you sleep on it for 100 nights. If you don't love it, and I mean love it, you call them up. They come and pick it up and refund every dime. So don't take my word for it. Don't take their word for it. Casper Mattress. Try it out for yourself. Go to casper.com slash Beck. Casper.com. Use the promo code Beck. You get $50 off the purchase of your select mattress. That's casper.com. Promo code Beck. Terms and conditions do apply. So I just wanted to let you know that the, uh, <clears throat> well, uh, I, uh, Albert wrote to me uh, and he said, uh, Glenn, I brought tickets to your Tampa show. I never in my life have spent so much money to see anyone. <laughs> wow. I also don't like crowds. I haven't attended a show of any kind in I don't know how long. <laughs> my wife and I talked about it and we're going to give you a shot. Oh. I expect a great show and nothing less. Oh, my. But I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Okay. All right. All right. We are. There are metal detectors at the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, Albert, there may be refunds. Let's, let's be reasonable about this. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like there could be a, a little threat inside of that. An implied threat. Yeah, yeah. No, it's going to be great. We yeah, should, it's uh, going to be fun. It's going to be a fun show today. Uh, should we give away a pair of tickets? Yeah, uh, if you want to go see the show tonight or tomorrow. Tonight in Tampa, tomorrow in Orlando. We'd love to see you. Call us now. The number is 888-727-BECK, 888-727-BECK. Come on out and see us. I, I, I tell you, back here in Tampa, 
It just feels like home. Yeah. I just love Tampa. I do. Love I it do here. not like the humidity here. It's nice but right now. It's now cool. It's beautiful. Yeah. It, it's, you know, it has something that Texas doesn't have: a beautiful winter. You know, you go to Texas and it's like you get it, Texas winter. is either hot. Or freezing cold. <laughs> and usually in the same week. It'll be like a hundred and then four. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there was a, a time, uh, two parts in the same state. It was 81 and 14. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's in the same the state. state's a little bit. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the but state's a the same state bit. at the same time. It was yeah, 81 know, degrees in one part and 14 in another. What's weird, it's not the same state. It's also the same neighborhood. <laughs> it's a little, little nuts. Come and see us uh, if you want tickets to Tampa, Orlando tonight and tomorrow. 888-727-BECK. back. Mercury. I got a lot of email uh, in regards to yesterday's program in this hour. Um, and they all pretty much uh, were summed up like this, and they were and mainly from females. This one's from Carly. She said, uh, "She said, Glenn, I, re- I realize that you receive tons of email every day. I hope this one finds its way to you. I'm just writing to say simply thank you. This morning, Thursday, I was simply doing my normal routine, drinking coffee, checking email, getting ready to tackle a day at work, and listening to your show on my local conservative uh, talk station, KSGF 104.1 out of Springfield. Around 9 o'clock in the morning, you began reading a story about a young woman who found out at an early age that she was unable to have kids. She shared the story about her adoption. Listeners around the world, like me, were able to hear the compassion in your voice as you shared the story. But you said something that stuck with me. You explained how something happens to a woman when she finds out she can't have kids. Thank you for being so real and so transparent for a few minutes and sharing this very real reality. I'm a young, ambitious, 23-year-old conservative who can't have children either. She goes in to talk about she's had just she's just really had a, 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 a tough you know few years. Um, she said, but today I'm back to work. I'm back living my new normal life. Uh, I'm a survivor who will one day be called mama by a child I adopt. Uh, she said, I am a firm believer that Jesus wasn't ready for me to be home yet. And I cannot wait to see what he has planned for my future as an adoptive parent. Thank you for sharing your story. Thanks for being so real. Glenn, I'm proud to be one of your longtime listeners, Carly. Carly, thank you so much. And for all of the women that wrote yesterday, I cannot relate. I have a hard time. I had a hard time during uh, the whole, you know, trying to get pregnant thing. And there is nothing more fun than when you you and your wife are trying to get pregnant. Oh, super romantic. Oh, my gosh. Come home right now. (laughs) Yes, dear. It's just super great. Um, It's what, you know. I never thought this would happen to me, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, so it's hard to it's hard to understand what happens. But there's a piece of a woman that just seems to they think that they're not complete, and they. I think men have a somewhat of an equivalent there with like when you lose your functions that you you know kind of think of yourself that make you a man, right? I mean, yeah, I guess that's, that's true. Yeah, I guess I that's, that's yeah, a, yeah, you know what? You're right. You're a right. Guttural oh, sort right of that. thing that I think happens, you know, that we're like it's your function. Wait a minute, I can't do it and it's that's oh, not a rational way of thinking, of course. Like it's it's a Oh, I wasn't even thinking that. 
I was thinking. I was thinking. For instance, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've, I've. It's no secret that um, you know I've had some medical issues. I mean, look at me. Um, you basically but, are a medical issue. Yeah, I know. Point. It's like, oh, that's medical issue. What's that? <laughs> what's his medical issue? Glenn Beck. <laughs> uh, but uh, you know, there was there are many times that uh, my wife uh, has had to get up in the in the morning to button my shirts or tie my shoes, and she always says. Honey, this is no big deal, and it really is to me. Yeah, because well, you feel like I'm just I, I'm nothing. Yeah, I remember you telling the story of I think it was your grandfather who got to a place where he could no longer drive a car, yeah, yeah. and it it ripped him apart. Yeah, it did. and he wanted to, and then he wound up driving his his lawnmower to town. Right? Yeah. Well, a- he drove. <laughs> well, first he drove his truck to Denny's, and then uh, when he was backing out. Uh, he went the opposite direction really fast, so he went through the front window of okay. Denny's, Denny's. So we had to take the keys of the truck away, and then he decided he was going to take the tractor to Denny's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they had to stop him taking the tractor, so we had to take the keys away from that. And then we caught him literally on the highway on his little riding lawnmower trying to get to Denny's. And he was just like... I. First of all, the ultimate commercial for Denny's. Like, yeah, I mean, I, know, I, I like is. Denny's too. It I don't is. know if I'm yeah. going to those lengths. Yeah, um, but uh, it's it's true. Like, you lose those things, and you know, it, you feel like you're no longer. A, well, uh, but you have two ways to you have two ways to go. Let's be honest. Let me can I may I share a story with you from the course. news? Okay. Now imagine you're in line at the Dollar General store, okay, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and the person in front of you is passing gas. And I and I, I don't mean passing gas like oh boy I, I you smell something I mean ripping them okay okay it's a woman in front of you and she is just <laughs> okay that one yes. <laughs> that one okay okay yeah. she's just we've ripping all had them. that moment we all had, all had that moment wait a minute. Okay, I'm done. Um, Okay, so she's just ripping him, and this this guy. You would what would you do? You would expect the person to go, "Oh my gosh, I am so sorry," but she didn't, and uh, she's like, "Yeah, okay," and I need one of these, (laughs) and. And the guy standing behind her is backing up. You know, there could be a fire. Can we open a door here? Um, and he finally says something because she's just crass about it. And um, <clears throat> so she uh, <clears throat> she uh, she turns around. She said, "You have a you have a problem <laughs> with what's happened." <laughs> and he's like, "Well, I mean, it is just. I mean, can you?" I mean, can you at least say excuse me? And she reaches into her purse and he pulled she pulls a knife. <laughs> and she pulls a knife on the guy and he starts to back away and she said, "You you say another word and I'm going to gut you." <laughs> and she threatens to gut gut the guy. Okay? Now, rational reaction to the situation. Sure. Now, the one reason why this caught my eye today is guess which state this story is from? I mean, I we I would probably guess the one we're sitting in right now, <laughs> Florida. Yes, <laughs> yes. This state is the this is the home of the craziest news up until 
probably 2007. Then all news became like Florida. Mm. But Florida, I think the reason why Florida is so chill is because yeah, they watch the news. They've been seeing that stuff go on for a long time. Yeah. It's like, that's Florida. <laughs> so when you got a president who's up there, look, I didn't. Oh, crap. I had a bowl of chili that was fantastic. <laughs> you know, nobody's, nobody in Florida is like, oh, yeah, yeah. I got a neighbor like that. I <laughs> That is, I think, the way they digest this in, I, I, information. I think so, too. Now, <clears throat> I don't have the answer to this one, but I do. There is a problem with this story. <sighs> a woman gets onto a plane with her five-year-old daughter. And um, she gets on the plane and the the flight attendants make fun of her daughter's name. And then they go an extra step. And this was this part is way over the line. They post a picture of the boarding pass and a picture of the daughter online. Okay. well, yeah, I I don't think that's cool. Uh, But they're making fun of her because she told ABC News that her daughter, ABCD, um, it, it, it was uh, it was not right. I'm sorry, it's ABCDE. Uh, it's not right to make fun of her name, ABCDE. Is that a, pr- a pronounceable name or is it legitimate? Uh, of course it is. It's uh, ABCD. 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 Mm-hmm. ABCD. But it is right, spelled ABCDE. Okay, so if I had to ask you what state the parent was from (laughs) that would name their kids A, B, C, D, E, E, Abcd, Abcd. But see, that sounds normalish. Abcd could be a name. Abcd could be a name. This is A, B, C, D, E. Okay. It's the alphabet, in case anybody is not following this closely. If I had to ask you, what state would a parent be most likely to name their kid (laughs) ABCDE, what would you say? I would guess the one we're sitting in right now. (laughs) I would have said Florida or California. Mm -hmm. Okay, No chance it's any place other than Florida (laughs) or California. Texas. Ah, really? Now. I believe this parent is a transplant. We need a border wall. We do. I think this uh, is a, this is a case why we need <laughs> a border wall. Yeah, yeah. The president can build it on the south, uh, the south side. I, I would like it on the west side of Texas because they're swarming in these Californians, <laughs> and only a no Texan, no self-respecting Texan would ever name their child A B C D E. Never. That is an immigrant. A Texas immigrant? Like they're from another state? Yeah. Okay. That's somebody from <laughs> California that's like, I kind of like that country of Texas. No. You're going to name your kid after fruit, after space rocks, or any part of the alphabet. I know my name is also part of the alphabet, but it's arranged in a name. <laughs> You're not allowed in Texas. I want somebody on the staff of the Blaze to take 20 minutes out of their day today. They don't even have to write a story, but I'm the boss.
I want to find out if this is a California immigrant. I want to find out. Hmm. I suspect she's a white person who's a social justice warrior from California. I cannot stand white people. I am just, oh, they're just so irritating. The only person that hates white people more than than you is probably the white person that names her child ABCDE. (laughs) All right. Imagine all the problems every time you put your name in for the rest of your life. Again, no, I know you no. think it's this cute thing, your name and your kid, this funny thing. It's not. Every time they put their name on a form, the person's yeah. going to be like, uh, I think you screwed this up. You just put the alphabet. Yeah. No, that's my name. I mean, I feel bad for Rafe. I feel bad for Rafe because he's always there. I was like, is that Ralph? Is that Raphael? What? What's uh, R- Raph? Raph? <laughs> what is Raph? Mm. No, it's Rafe, and, and you know it's a common name, I, I guess, <laughs> over in England. I guess it's not here, and I apologize to my son. <laughs> well, I don't think there's an apology needed for a name. I think somebody the only you apology can't he's ever going to get, <laughs> <laughs> and you're only doing it publicly, never privately. Yeah, never privately. No, okay. He's he's he flew in last night with us. We got in late and. Uh, He's he's lay, he's actually in the studio, dead asleep. You can check the Twitter feed. He's dead asleep right now. So this is the only apology he's ever ever going to get. Son, I apologize to you many many times. <laughs> you were just asleep. All right, our sponsor this half hour. Um, what's crypto? What is the crypto world doing right now? It's about four four thousand. Oh, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. This is crazy. I've, I've been starting. I'm getting to the point now. Where I'm starting thinking. When do I just go back into this? I'm, uh, I'm right. hitting that point. I did that too. I haven't I done did it that yet. Too. I mean, I you know I, I do hits, have some. If but. it hits three, I'm going. to. That's your number three. Yeah. There's a certain number. I, I don't. I don't know what it is yet. I need to keep thinking about it. But there's some number where I'm like, jeez, this is crazy. Not to uh, get did back you into see this. Litecoin? It's like what is it? A hundred dollars? It was no. It's way less than that. Uh, Thirty-one. <gasps> Thirty-one for Litecoin. What's Ethereum at? Uh, one twelve. Well, that, that's the one I was yeah. thinking. One twelve. That was like at fourteen hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, a very, for a very short time, but still, it yeah, was yeah, five, yeah. six, seven hundred for a long still. time. Still, yeah. so I mean, it's like it is at that point to where because here's what's weird. Normally, I would say done, done, get out of it. It was it was a tulip bubble, done. But Goldman Sachs, Chase Manhattan, all of these. All of these huge, huge uh, trading firms and financial services, they've spent millions of dollars to prepare for a trading desk for cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the chairman of the New York Stock Exchange just said uh, Bitcoin and digital assets are here to stay. Okay. And it's like, oh, if they're here to stay, this might be a good I time know. to. I mean, so head of the New York Stock Exchange, right? And they're uh, and they've all built these things. New York Stock Exchange has just built something for for yeah, Bitcoin use, on that, yeah. and it's it's it hasn't been unveiled yet. And once it's first quarter of next year, they're yeah, saying it, it has been unveiled, but it hasn't been in use. Right. And the theory is is that the rich get richer by talking all of this stuff down. And then when it gets really low, that's when they open the floodgates and they've bought all of it at the lowest possible price. I don't know what that low price is, but 
You're right, Stu. I'm, I'm getting. Right. I'm, I'm starting to convince myself. Yeah. Anyway, I'm starting to. Um, uh, I was supposed to tell you something about cryptocurrencies <laughs> here in this commercial. Uh, see, oh yeah, it's the crypto course. You can get uh, the crypto course where you can find out everything you need to know about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, and more importantly, blockchain, because that's going to play a very big role in the future. Call 877-PBL-BECK, 877-PBL-BECK, or just go to smartcryptocourse.com. Take this course. You'll learn a lot. Uh, smartcryptocourse.com. There's a couple of things coming. By the way, Bill O'Reilly is going to be joining us in just a few minutes. You do not want to miss Bill O'Reilly. Uh, um, he's, got, he's got a lot on his mind today as well to share. Um, also, uh, 217 migrants have been found dead on the Texas border area in ranches in 2018. Um, they just found another person dead on the uh, ranch. I mean, these these people who live on the border, it's, you know, if you're living in New York and you're like, I don't understand, you know, okay, I mean, so you got some immigrants coming. You don't know what it's like living on the border. Some of these, some of these ranchers, I, I don't know. We had somebody that tried to give us a huge ranch uh, in Texas, just give it to us. And we were like, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. But when we realized, no, they were trying to give it to us because they couldn't offload it, and it had all kinds of issues. You know, if you're owning it, you you have all kinds of issues. They, They could not. It was like a family ranch that they could never go to anymore because it was too dangerous. It's like, no, no, thank you. I, <laughs> no, thank you. It, you. You have no concept unless you live in a border state. Glenn Beck. <sighs> Centers for Disease Control. Preventive uh, and, and prevention. Because you want to control the disease and prevent the disease. They released a new report yesterday. CDC says 70,000 Americans died from drug overdoses in 2017, an all-time high, higher than the peak number of car crashes of deaths in 1972, higher than the peak number of HIV deaths in 1995, higher than the peak of deaths from guns in 1993, opioid deaths. One of the chief causes of these insane numbers is the sharp spike in deaths related to synthetic opioids called fentanyl. In 2013, the U.S. had 3,000 fentanyl overdose deaths. Last year, 28,000. That is a 45% increase of fentanyl deaths in one year. If you don't know what fentanyl is, if they ever try to give you fentanyl, don't do it. I mean, it is an end of life drug. And so if you are at the end of life, go ahead, take it. This is your medical advice. It is my medical advice. Okay, so make sure because you are a doctor. Yeah, I am a doctor. Yeah, you are. You, yeah, you have, doctor of humanities. I can I can diagnose anything, anything in the human the body. body. So anyway, um, but seriously, <laughs> I've had it. I didn't know that I because I was in surgery. I woke up on the table. They couldn't keep me out. They couldn't keep me out of pain. They gave me fentanyl and another cocktail on top of that. Oh, my gosh. I I had it for like three or four days, and I was addicted to it already. It's horrendous. It's wonderful. 
but it is horrendous. It's made for end-of-life use only because they know once you start taking it, you're not going to stop. Um, the steep rise in the uh, drug overdose deaths has reduced our life expectancy rate, uh, rate for the third year in a row. That hasn't happened since World War II. Now the leading death for adults under 55 is drug overdose. Federal crackdowns recent years have focused on the opioid prescription, and those are down overall. Yet overdose deaths keep rising, mainly because of fentanyls, synthetic opioids. They're deadly because literally it says on the box, if you buy, you know, if you buy a real, real doctor prescribed, says on the box, do not touch their patches. Do not touch the patch. If it wasn't, uh, it wasn't prescribed for you, it may kill you just touching it. Unfortunately, there was also another CDC report released yesterday, this one about suicide rates, which rose 3.7% last year. Rural America saw the largest increase in suicides. Since 99, the suicide rates for males and females has increased every single year, but the rate remains highest for men. Does anybody care? Gee, I wonder why. Men are worthless. Men are bigots. Men are haters. Men are misogynists. Men have no value. Let's focus all on women. Let's focus on girls, never the boys. Gee, I wonder what that could mean. Calling this the opioid epidemic is not hyperbole. With the numbers as high as they are, you probably know somebody who is affected by this. You have to ask yourself what's happening to us. Our economy is booming. Unemployment is at low, yet... There is so much despair in this country. America is hurting right now. And politics can't ultimately do anything about it. But we can. You can, right where you are. It might not seem like a lot in the big picture. But it is everything. It is everything, especially to that one person that you can affect right now. It's Friday, November 30th. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. It's Friday. Let me go to Bill, go to Bill O'Reilly. Hello, Bill. I wanted, to, I wanted to start with this because I know that your column is about a, a, another epidemic that you say nobody's really paying attention to. Yeah, and there's a correlation um, to the rise of uh, drug addiction in the hard drug arena to the massive amount of Internet addiction we're seeing not only in the United States but the world. There's a correlation to it. Um, and my, it's a very complicated issue, as you know, Beck. Um, by the way, I appreciate you guys labeling me Father Christmas because, as well, you know, so I saved... I saved Christmas for the uh, United States of America. <laughs> yes, Maybe I know you did. And, and you've got rosy cheeks, and, uh, and it's, yeah. you just and look no like And no spin fun. elves on BillOReilly.com <laughs> working right. around the that's clock. Right. That's I got right. It all right. But now yeah. back to addiction. So it, it's, it's a very complicated situation because you, you are dealing with individuals who make a decision. And the decision is, I'm going to take hard drugs 
for recreational purposes. You know, there, there are people who get addicted because of medical reasons, but not that many. All right. And, and I'm going to do it despite knowing I may die and I might become addicted and destroy my family. But I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. So you're starting with a person who's troubled because rational people, they don't make that decision. Um, and therefore, all of this pie in the sky about, well, all we need is more money for rehab and, and the government's fault because they don't provide whatever to these people. I mean, it's just a lie. The second thing is the society itself with the legalization of marijuana and the base glorification of drug use in the media, in Hollywood, sends a message to young and mature people that, you know what, it's cool. It's cool. Look at, look, look at Snoop Dogg. Look, 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 it's cool to do it. All right? And, you know, getting intoxicated when you're 14, that's a good thing. You go right ahead and, and, and do it. Okay? So you, got, you have that, that massive wave of, oh, inebriation is, is good. And if you do it, you'll be accepted, and, and you'll be one of the cool kids. It's absolutely happening everywhere. All right? So this is like a wave that comes in. And the final piece to it is, and we're looking at it now, well, if you're a seller of fentanyl, you know, it's a nonviolent crime. Yeah, you might be handing people poison, and they might die, but... Nah, it's not that bad. You shouldn't really be spending a lot of time in prison. Uh, we need to rehab you. So all of this um, is why the CDC comes out with this. Um, you know, and by the way, more people died last year of drug overdoses than in the entire Vietnam War by a lot. So there you go. There's the analysis across the board. It's pretty bleak. Well, but there's well, there's also something else that you talk about, and that is the addiction to um, devices and uh, the internet. Yeah. Now there there is this actual term. Uh, what did you say it was? I just I heard about it just a couple of days ago, and then I read it in your column. Um, yeah, it's it's internet uh, it's a disorder. Addiction, yeah, um, disorder disorder. So now there are rehab clinics, of course. Capitalism, you're going to have for kids mostly kids, um, ages 11, if you can imagine, to 23, 24, and across a fortune, because insurance is not going to handle it, um, to go there and, and to try to you know, pry their iPhones out of their hands. But well, every parent you... and grandparent knows about the oh, addiction, yeah. and there are plenty of adults addicted to it, too. They don't pay attention yeah. to their kids. They don't pay yeah. attention to their pets. I mean, nobody talks about that, but pets used to be, you know, brought in and you pay attention to them and you walk them and you nurture them. And now the pets look at it. How come nobody's paying attention to me? Cause everybody's texting or Snapchatting. No, that's why I, mean, I, that's I, why I, I know it. I that's why I got it. my dog an iPhone and, uh, and an Instagram yeah, I mean, page. That, that's so. a good move. Very good. Back. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's go into politics. Let's talk a little bit about Cohen and what happened yesterday. What you think it, it um, it actually means, and then what you think it politically means. Okay. Um, I don't know what it means, and no one else does either. Therefore, all the pundits who are telling you on television and in the newspaper op-ed pages that they do know are lying. 
Beck. Okay, right? well, wait a minute. Hang on. Hang on. Let's just go over what we do know. He, he came out uh, and said this that this is Cohen. He came out he said, and he I said. I lied to uh, some Congress people under oath about a Russian condominium project. Okay. Now, we, right. we, he is he is already, uh, you know, not a credible person. He's never been credible in my book. Right. Um, however, he made that claim. Then right. Trump, who has been saying the whole time, 14 times since he's been president, that we've had no business dealings at all over in Russia. I don't, nothing. Yesterday, he came out and he said he's weak and pathetic. Don't believe it. Then he came out later and said, uh, yes. Okay. So I was trying to, of course I was, I'm a businessman. I was trying to build the Trump tower. Uh, but there's nothing wrong with that, which is true. Um, it, with an exception of the denials, but not under oath. We do understand. We think this coming from Rudy Giuliani, that the president answered, uh, honestly to in his deposition. So there's no, if Giuliani is telling the truth, there is no perjury trap here for him. Uh, so there doesn't look like there's anything uh, that, that there was any laws broken. It's just about Trump lying about it. But he, but he didn't lie about it because he said quite clearly, I don't have any business with Russia. This was all pie in the sky. Maybe we could do it. Oh, might Bill, happen. Don't cut that one. Are well, you really well, cutting that line? I'm, I'm telling you in a court no, of no, law. No, no, no. I'm not talking about court of law. I'm not talking about court of law because we don't. Uh, as far we as I'm concerned, Trump and his lawyers can say, as they yeah, have yeah, yeah. said, we didn't have any business dealings with Russia. Correct. I, and I, I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about the law because I don't think there's any laws broken here. I don't think there's okay, any laws look, broken. He's going to say Beck, and you can disagree with it and disparage him if you want to, but he's going to say I didn't have any business dealings with him. A conversation about maybe someday we'll build a condo in Moscow is not a business dealing. He did sign a letter of intent. He can say that, and and you can't say... He he signed a letter of intent. I mean, his intent was to do do business, and he formally engaged them. Who? The letters, I mean, obviously, you, you know, it's been reported on if it comes out yeah, I, I haven't the, seen any letter, and until right. I see the letter, I don't believe it. Okay, so if so, if there is a letter, and he did sign it, does it matter? Yeah, that would matter because if there's a letter of intent to build a condominium in Moscow, that's a business dealing. So that would matter. Okay, so even if he because see this is this is interesting because um, I buy into the letter. And I don't think that anybody's. I don't think it's going to ca- come from. Seen it in several places. Oh, um, on, October twenty eighth, twenty uh, October twenty eighth, twenty fifteen was the date. It was the date of the third Republican presidential debate. And I think this is an interesting one, Bill, because it's one of those things everyone can throw out these accusations. All this right, one, it I, should I, be provable. If it was, but well, if they have the letter, they should be able to show it, right? Yeah. If they have the letter, yeah, it should be in the Mueller report when it comes out. Ago. It would have been leaked well, a long maybe. time ago if if Cohen had a letter, and Cohen would be the guy. Mm-hmm. But right? he was the guy just yesterday. 
he's well, just yesterday came out and said, okay, yes, I did lie about this two cars. So, right, so, so here's right. the thing. I don't want to even, I don't really care. I, don't care. I, 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 I get to the point on this when, when the facts are out, then yeah. we'll be able to comment on it. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not holding the letter out as, because uh, I'm not talking about I'm only talking about politics here. Don't it, it, use on, the word lie and fall into the trap of all of the hate Trump media. Look, listen to Father Christmas. <laughs> it's the season of joy. You Unless sit on a throne of lies. The man lied, don't use the word. Well, this would be proof that you would you you are saying it would be proof if this letter yes, existed and he if signed you have it. It a would letter be proof. of intent and then to build so, a condominium in Moscow. That is a business dealing. Okay, so what does that mean then? If that it means did that he exist to you about what his contacts with uh, Russia okay. were? That's so what then, it would what? Mean. I got it. So then, what would that actually mean? Because it's not illegal. No. So, so is anybody? Is this going to change anything? Well, unless I don't think so. That under oath in his deposition. Right. Right. And 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 no, didn't it? Would just be it would just be another um, thing that the anti-Trump people could say the guy's not trustworthy. That's all. Right. Okay. So now let me ask you this question. Yeah, um, because if you Sue and I were talking about this earlier, if you listen to what the president says, so you have a good chance at one point or another during your day again, pissed off. OK, but if you don't listen to what he says, you just watch his actions like on 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 Russia. He's very strong against Russia. Um, he is he has taken real sanctions to uh, to Russia that we have not seen before. When when you watch his actions, they don't match the words because he's a guy like this is the most beautiful sink ever built. And you're like, OK, it's a, it's a sink, man. You watch your hands in it. <laughs> um, so you, you have to you have to not look at his his language. But when you when you actually listen to him. Um, you have to defend it. And, you know, we're, we're put into a role to where um, we have to somehow or another say it's OK that he said I had nothing to do with paying those girls off. And we know now that he did um, if he if this happens with Russia. And there's a there's a couple of other things that are like this that yeah, you have you to think make a decision is- whether his policies override his personal behavior. It, it's the same thing with Bill Clinton. And I think the American the people... The same thing with, Clinton, with Bill Clinton, as the Republicans yep. are doing with Trump. Right. And I, think, and I think everybody has already made their decision on that. Right? I'm not sure, because if Trump needs... If he wants to be reelected, he's got to win over about 7% more votes uh, than he has now in the polls. All right, and so I let's think there let's are persuadable people depending on who runs against him. All right, so let's pick it up there and our conversation continues with Bill O'Reilly from billoreilly.com. We are so pleased to be at WFLA in Tampa. Uh, tonight we're in Tampa. Tomorrow we're in Orlando, Florida. Uh, we would love to see you. Uh, tickets are available. You just grab them online at glenbeck.com/tour. I am not leaving this city without Kojak's.
<laughs> and the barbecue not place, yeah. Leaving this city without the house of ribs. Of ribs. This was your favorite place. Oh my gosh, here. I love this mm-hmm. place. I wanted to move into the house of ribs. <laughs> it is so good. Before we get back into the politics, can I uh, ask Bill O'Reilly a, a question? Yeah. Uh, Bill, uh, are you aware uh, what happened with your Gettysburg Address um, bid the other day? No, I'm not. I was waiting. Hmm. What yeah. happened? Patiently. Yeah, yeah. Because you bid $20,000 for a copy right. of the Gettysburg Address. Yeah. Um, and then there was an auction at the charity event, and it went okay. back and forth, and you were outbid. Right um, away. Pretty quickly. Pretty quickly, unfortunately pretty quickly. For, for you. Um, I would like to tell you that the person who outbid you was this was a, a blonde woman who was up in the front row. Uh, she seemed very nice. Her name was Tanya Beck. <laughs> you were beaten by my wife, Bill. <laughs> by my wife. Well, that's bidding on now, his own what, char- what charity does it go to benefit? Uh, that particular piece went to do the Abraham Lincoln Museum. Uh, but oh, the uh, the entire event was uh, my charity, Mercury One, which is... Right. Uh, well, if I had to lose to somebody, um, Tanya is is a person that I would want to lose to. She's so yeah. it's such a nice woman. She is. Well, I don't know why she's with Glenn, but you're right. She, then it was me that you lost Glenn, to. Then it was me. Back. Mercury. Arda, where we are performing tonight uh, in concert. Uh, I believe, Stu, is, uh, you're going to try the cello tonight, are you not? Yeah, I've never tried it before, but I think right. I, it looks pretty easy. I mean, your arm goes back and forth. And it's basically am, the whole yep, thing. So. And I am on the electric guitar and electric piano, mm-hmm. which I've never played either one of them. And there's no electricity either. Uh, so it's be... <laughs> yeah. It's unplugged. Yeah, it's, it's unplugged. unplugged. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that's tonight and tomorrow. Tonight in Tampa, tomorrow in Orlando, glenbeck.com slash tour. Bill O'Reilly is with us. Bill. Wow, you know, I I wish I was down there. I would really like to to see <laughs> Stu play the cello. That would be exciting. Thank you, Bill. I appreciate it. A lot of people feel the same way. Yeah. I know. So, uh, and if, so... You, <laughs> if you get the steel drum going, I mean, hey, can Father right. Christmas just get a quick plug in so we don't have to do it at the end? Yeah, 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 sure. yeah, yeah sure. All right. The uh, internet addiction is killing the book industry. All right. Because people don't want to take the time to read a 300-page book when they can just text their brains out or Snapchat or whatever they're doing. If you look at the Amazon 100, top 100 books, there are actually 10 books, 10 in the top 100, real books. Killing the SS is actually the second uh, best-selling book next to Michelle O in the country right now. It was first last Sunday. But The Wonky Donkey and Dragons Love Tacos are outselling me on Amazon, Beck. And it's an outrage. Oh, Dragons, Dragons Love Tacos love sounds really Dragons good. Dragons Love Tacos. I love tacos. We have a lot but in Dragons common. I got a lot to love tacos, all right? So the whole How book do you know is that? fraud. <laughs> you were the one saying, unless you have a confirmation of a lie, don't call it a lie. Don't call it a lie. How do you know Dragons don't love tacos? They don't love tacos. How do you know that? eat people. They don't eat. They don't. Uh, don't oh, talk. But anyway, killing the SS. Those are that's a that's an old charge right. on dragons. Anybody anyway, who ahead. likes history will love killing the SS for the holiday uh, thing. And then yes. BillOReilly.com premium memberships spec. You have yes. one. Um, yes. Everyone should have one. So that's it. Father Christmas is done. Go right, right. ahead. All right. So let's talk about uh, the G20 uh, meeting. No, the so president excited. said the president <laughs> said yesterday, which, uh, you know, I, I love the way he negotiates. He's got a twitchy eye and everybody's like, I don't know. He just might frickin do it. Um, he said, 
I don't really even know if I want to make a deal with China because we're getting so much money from them now in, the, in this uh, tariff war. Um, but, but you know he does. But uh, he is threatening all kinds of stuff. What do you think is going to happen uh, with the G20? Any progress on the trade with China? I think there will be a breakthrough because China, and I have this on very good authority, is going to slap a tariff on Dragon's Love Tacos. <laughs> You're not going to be able to ship that book to China. And that's going to wow. be the deal breaker. And Trump will give in and then everything will be good. Um, I, I have heard um, that this deal with China uh, has already been made. And this is usually the way they do it. People should know this. They don't just show up to Buenos Aires, all right, and then they talk in a room and come out with a deal. That never happens. It's always with Gorbachev and Reagan. by minions um, yeah. or the Secretary of State or whatever, mm-hmm. and then they have a framework. So they know now whether they're going to have an, a joint announcement on uh, Saturday or Sunday, which I believe they'll have some kind of breakthrough. I do believe that will happen. So will the trade war, because this is the one, this is the one thing that I know President Trump really believes in. He believes that, he believes that trade wars are good. Um, he believes that uh, tariffs are good. Um, and a lot of people in his administration have been hoping that he's just using this as a negotiation tactic. So far That's with Canada and Mexico... No, well, he got his deal with Mexico, and then he never changed the tariff. So, he will, is he good? Huh? He will. His overdose is coming in this weekend, and and they will do that. But Trump is smart. He, he's not going to do it until Obrador gets in, the new president of Mexico. And he okay. sees how he's going to handle a caravan. He sees how he's going to do a whole bunch of other things. So, it's yeah, still I, there. But it'll yeah, when it comes... It, when it, when it comes to Mexico, I'm not in any hurry to lift it on Mexico oh, just right. because of the caravan. I want to see what they're doing. Right. Um, because this yeah. guy's a socialist overdoer, and you got to see how crazy he's going to be. Go yeah. Ahead. All right. So um, you think that he's going? we are going to solve this deal with China? I don't know if you're going to solve it, but Trump is a deal maker. That's his whole life, makes deals, all right? And so he wants to put forth to the American people that he's tougher, smarter, and stronger than China. That's what he wants to do. Now, China, they're basically saying, we're not going to take a lot of garbage from Donald Trump, um, but our economy is listing. Word of the day, Stu, L-I-S-T-I-N-G, listing. All right, mm-hmm. And it is. So we're going to have to do something to get investment back into China. That's what China wants. So both sides have big gains to be made if they can, you know, be nice to each other. And that's what I think will happen. Let's talk about uh, Putin. Uh, Yesterday, president arrived. He was going to meet with Putin. Then he said, no, I've got to look at, uh, you know, I'm not happy that they haven't released the uh, Ukrainian sailors yet. Um, And, uh, you know, so so what do you think is going to happen with Putin? And no idea. You never know with Putin. Putin's a different character than, you know, China. China has to um, deal with the United States. They have to because they, their economy is so fragile. It's a billion and a half people, many of whom don't have electricity. Uh, they don't have a lot of choice. Putin can do whatever he wants. 
I mean, Putin's like Stalin in the sense that he runs that place. You don't like it, I'll put a bullet in your head. And, and so Putin, you can't predict what he's going to do. I think he's just bored over there. It's 14 below zero every day in Moscow. <laughs> he goes, ah, let's have a little fun with Ukraine. We'll take one of their boats. You know, that's what he is. He's a provocateur. So Trump can't handle him because Trump's got nothing over him. And, and Trump was smart not to meet with him. And, you know, if Trump had his way, he wouldn't meet with anybody. He wouldn't even go there. He doesn't even know where it is. I mean, <laughs> uh, last topic, the border, your yeah. thoughts over the week. Well, we've done some excellent reporting on BillOReilly.com, tracing the big money uh, that's come from Washington to Chicago to Tegucigalpa, Honduras, to fund this whole um, ruse, R-U-S-E. And you know, we don't ever look this up. This is a very well-orchestrated, organized, and funded campaign to break right. the U.S. asylum system. Break it down. Mm-hmm. Break the border. Have open borders. And if you go to BillOReilly.com, we've listed all the agencies, all the people running the agencies. Gee, George Soros, oh, wow, in the past, has got a lot of money to these organizations. So. Yep. That's what this is. You don't have 6,000 people in Mexico City get on buses and drive to Tijuana unless you have millions of dollars to charter those buses. So it's all ruse. But the real thing is, why on earth does the U.S. media ignore the real story here? You know, I mean, what do you idiots in uh, BlackRock and Manhattan want open borders? Is that what you want in Hollywood? Is that what you really want? Because that's what you're playing into. I mean, these are. I, I'm now thinking that the people running the media agencies, Beck, uh, you know, with the exceptions of you and me, are just stone cold stupid people. Oh, you know, I, we I know they're corrupt. But now I'm thinking, you guys are just stupid. This yeah. is so horrible for the country. The you know perspective of open borders and chaos on our on our border with Mexico, the narcotics that we you talked about at the beginning of the hour. Coming across that. Where do you think the fentanyl is coming from? Mexico. So, okay, Bill. So, you know, so, so wait, 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 wait. It's annoying me. It's annoying me, Stu. So I think, <laughs> spell it out so we can look it up. Um, Bill, I agree with you that they are, they're just uh, blind, just blind. And it may be blind stupid on several things. Um, uh, but when when you... I think that the press has, you know, done what Fonzie did, what, in 1976 and jumped the shark. Um, I think that they have they've now entered a rule uh, into a room where they are literally asking us to deny what our eyes can see and uh, and and also deny to, to you know look what at what was happening was the crusher was for the press that they showed these pictures of the tear gas with the kids and, and the mothers, right? And they went wild, did they not? Yes. And then, all of a sudden, the next day, well, uh, President Obama used tear gas 500 times on the border no, no, no. during his no, eight six, years. No, 1,600. 1,600. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's okay. 1,600. So did you hear a word of that? No. A word of it in the New York no. Times, Washington no. Post, I, you know, and, and so you're right. 
Americans go, you know what? We're not believing any, anything you say now because you don't deserve to be believed. And that helps Mercury, Glenn Beck, Bill O'Reilly, BillOReilly.com, because people go, you know what? We're going to look for something that we can at least have a semblance of trust in, not you. I know. Bill O'Reilly. I know. Speechless. No, it was was beautiful. Brilliance uh, always leads to speechlessness. It's really, <laughs> it's, it's quite amazing, uh, your Thank performance. You. Thank you. Uh, every I want everybody to go see Beck and Stu and I playing a cello. Uh, it's yep. going to be just a blast. I want everybody I've written a song about you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. He's written a song about you. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, Bill, uh, right, great Beck. to have you. BillOReilly.com and uh, Killing the SS is his latest best-selling book, which is, uh, which is really, truly tremendous if you're uh, a history lover. Uh, or you, you, you really just want to delve in and know the truth about uh, some of the things that even the United States did uh, in World War II with killing the SS, Bill O'Reilly's book is tremendous. Thanks so much, Bill. Talk to you soon. Okay, guys. See you soon. All right. I don't know why I like him. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very broad <laughs> statement and question, but an All interesting right. one. Our sponsor this half hour is Filter, <laughs> filter By. Is our mic on when I said that? Uh, <laughs> filter By is our sponsor. Um, you know, when you, uh, when you have to turn on, if you, if you live in a place, I don't know if Seattle is still like this. Do people, do people in Seattle have air conditioning? Because when I grew up, we didn't have air conditioning. And it's not like, we didn't have air conditioning. We wa- I wanted it. But everybody, nobody had it because you're like, what a waste of money. What do you air condition four days out of the year? Um, but uh, when you turn your heat on now, now your heat is circulating. Uh, and uh, can you smell it? Can you smell it? Your heater, your air conditioning unit, you have air filters. And uh, I was in a house the other day, oof, because we're moving and I was looking at a rental house because uh, we're, we're, I just sold my house. And uh, so we're moving into a rental house because we're going to build a house. And, and I'm, I walk in and there is this, this air vent that is just covered in black. You could see through the grain, just like so dirty. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And the filter. Had got it had to have been just nasty, worse than mine. And I don't ever change my filter until I got with Filter Buy. Filter Buy, they'll ship your order within 24 hours. Here's the thing: you get you save five percent if you just you know, click you know renewal, and so they'll send you like every six months they'll send you a new filter. So it arrives at your door, and you're like, oh, time to change the filter again. Because I never think about it; I forget, and I'm not going to Home Depot on my Saturday. To go get filters. Yes, you are. You got a lot of stuff to do. Take that one off the list. They'll send it to you just at filterby, filterbuy.com. That's filterbuy.com. I got to tell you, I, I love this priest. Priest who has been an exorcist for 40 years. Has uh, has come out and said that Celine Dion's new gender-neutral clothing line is satanic, inspired by Satan himself. Uh, he said, aside from the clothing being hideously ugly, 
oh, how many Hail Marys do I have to have for laughing at this? Um, aside from uh, the clothing being hideously ugly, occult themes on children is disturbing. Babies who look uh, sullen. Who would pay $77 for a baby blanket with skulls on it? Um, uh, anyway, so it's um, it's uh, satanic. And I and I say, I say we should have known that with her music. Uh, that anything really comes from her has been inspired by the devil. Uh, so <laughs> it's a strong it's stance there. Well, it is Celine Dion, and my heart will not go on another second longer. Ugh. There's, she did. Was she still doing that Vegas thing? That's the new. Uh, that's the new thing. If you were like a big artist, and and now you could just go to Vegas and have a residency and just do those shows every day. That's got to be the best life in the world. Yeah, <laughs> I'm me- trying to get that gig, but it, like the Vegas deli. Yes. You know? Yeah. You know, it's got like twelve uh, seats. Yeah. Uh, three tables, but it's sold out. Sold out. Well, almost. Sometimes. Um, sometimes. Usually well, people are eating and not necessarily like, paying attention to yeah, your they're, show. But they're like, "Shut up! Who is this guy? Can you get him to shut up?" <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know if she's still doing it. But boy, I hope she is because mm, I just, you know, yeah, but that you didn't seem to really express a yeah. Mm. So we have uh, Ambassador Brown back on. Um, oh, cool. Coming up in uh, just a second. He was the governor of, of uh, Kansas uh, and senator from Kansas as well, right? Um, yeah. Um, thank you, Stu. Uh, and now he is the ambassador at large for the international religious freedom, um, sworn in as ambassador at large. I don't know what that means. Is that a fat joke? I don't, I don't think, think Sam is fat. No, he's not. So, so I don't know what it means. I just know this, <laughs> that we wanted to talk to him about religious freedom, but because he's in the role he's in, he can't talk about uh, a couple of the stories that we were talking about this week. So uh, I don't want to put him in an awkward position. So if you're listening, you're like, why aren't you talking to him about this issue and that issue? Because uh, I can't put him in an awkward position because he's an ambassador at the time. But we do want to talk to him about uh, religious persecution and religious freedom around the world. Uh, Senator or C- Ambassador Brown Glenn, coming up next. Back. Mercury. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to tell you about something that you should either end your day with or um, start your morning with, and that is the news and why it matters. If you like this show, you're going to love the news and why it matters. It's a bunch of us that all get together at the end of the day and just talk about the stories that matter to you and your life. The news and why it matters. Look for it now wherever you download your favorite podcast. Glenn Beck. 20th anniversary of the International Religious Freedom Act. 20 years this has been in, and I'm not sure that religious freedom is getting better uh, at all. We have the ambassador at large, uh, Sam Brownback. He was a senator and governor of uh, Kansas, uh, and now the ambassador at large, which I think means he's either on the lam or they don't or they or they don't give him a cool, you know, residence to live in. I'm not really sure. Uh, Let's ask him. That's an important first question. It really is. Ambassador Brownback, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you guys today? Very good. Uh, I'm I'm sure that at large means that you're not on the lam, right? Uh, That's correct. It means you cover the whole world. It's okay. like the at large. It's not uh, religious freedom for uh, you know a particular country, Bulgaria right. or Iran or something like that. So on, covers the entire world. So you know we work on issues around the world. I'm stationed out of the State Department, but I do do a lot of traveling uh, to different countries and work around the administration on religious freedom topics that 
Uh, yeah, you're right. It, the, the situation has gotten worse over the last 20 years. Uh, but this administration is serious about what we can do to, to tra- change that trend line, get it going back the right way. Now, I know you're a uh, ambassador, so if if we ask anything that we shouldn't be asking, I don't I don't I, 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 we want people to be free. And I don't care about, you know, I don't care about the interview or anything else. I just want people to be free. So feel free to say, shut up, Glenn, at any time. <laughs> um, but can we um, can we talk a little bit about um, the Middle East uh, and and start Absol- with the Middle absolutely. East on, on what's happening? What's happening there? We are you know mercury one has done uh, a remarkable job on bringing thousands of christians out of the middle east and m- m- the lion's share really now at this point has gone to um uh australia and these are good christians who were marked for death in the middle east we've got one one not family one person into america how come america is not embracing the persecuted Christians uh, like some uh, other countries around the world? Well, we historically have. Uh, You can uh, look at a number of people that have fled the Middle East, particularly religious minorities, over the last 30 years, and a number have come to the United States. And I don't know why the recent uh, situation has changed where they're not coming into the United States because uh, yeah. we've uh, we've always been a, a haven for religious minorities. One of the new things that we're trying to do more is, though, to make the situation safer in the Middle East for religious minorities to stay. Uh, and that's the well. I know that's what a lot of initiative. them. Yeah, a lot of them want to. So, what are we doing to uh, to secure that? Northern Iraq is probably the best example where a number of them are moving back. I toured there first yeah. of July. Uh, we're yeah. rebuilding homes rebuilding uh, churches, institutions, hospitals. Uh, and the key long-term is to get a better security environment uh, so that people don't feel threatened. But they're, they are moving back, uh, and now we're starting to focus on that security agenda uh, to be able to tell people that, you know, yes, you can leave. You, you can seek asylum status in other places, uh, and people will grant it. But we really need you to stay. Uh, we we don't want to see these historic religions, particularly Christianity, yeah. but also the Yazidis in that region, just get continue to get pushed out of the Middle East like they have for the past thirty years. Well, I tell you, they they most of them have reluctantly left. Um, the ones that we deal with, they don't want to leave because they 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 all say the same thing. If we leave, we are the original people that you read about in the Bible, <laughs> the ones yes. that were persecuted, the, you know, the ones that the apostles first went to talk to. That's us. And if we leave, it completely, it leaves a vacuum. And so they don't want to leave, most of them. I, I agree. I agree. And that's why I was happy to hear that a number of them are moving back now uh, into yeah. these communities. I, uh, I We just held... I had some meetings every week at Tuesday from 11 to noon, Washington, D.C., usually on the Hill. We do a religious freedom roundtable with outside groups and a number of outside individuals then that have been persecuted or represent persecuted communities come in and tell their story. Uh, and recently I was at one of those where people say, no, we, our community, northern Iraq, about 55 percent have moved back now uh, to the community. The homes have been rebuilt. The churches have been rebuilt. Uh, and they're... They're happy to be able to move back home, but 
the security situation is still tenuous. At any time, a new ISIS-type variety could right. could build up. And so, you know, they're, they kind of sleep with a bag packed, uh, ready to flee to Erbil or somewhere else in the region where they can get to near-term safety. But that that's the situation we've got to correct, where they don't have to to sleep with a bag packed to, to leave at any, at a moment's notice. So, um, you know, the, the Saudi Arabia situation with Khashoggi was, uh, an absolute nightmare. Um, and you know, they're not the uh, friendliest, uh, place, uh, to visit, especially if you're a Christian and open about it. However, I have heard that things are dramatically changing there and, you know, they the there are some areas in the Middle East that are even now openly embracing Israel. Are you sensing something happening in the Middle East more than just an opposition to Iran? No, I, I am. I am. I'm headed to the UAE, uh, United Arab Emirates next week. Uh, speaking to a major, uh, mostly Muslim leadership uh, conference. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, uh, ending uh, violence between the Abrahamic faiths uh, and talk about uh, that, that what we uh, need to do is have a respect uh, for each other uh, and that these are different faiths. They have different beliefs. There's no question about it. But people, we should have a respect uh, for that uh, and that there should not be and that, and that the theologians should say that our religion does not support the use of violence in the promotion, uh, the propagation of the faith, the, to, to renounce that use of violence. Now, that, uh, and, that seems, that seems uh, you know, that, that seems just like something that people are going to say, and they don't really mean it, because that's the way it has been. But I, I have again heard... Uh, that in Saudi Arabia, they are now arresting and closing down many of the extremist mosques, the Wahhabist um, clerics, that there are 1,500 to 3,000 that have uh, have lost their mosque uh, and have been and and have been uh, stopped because of their view. Is that true? Do you know? I, I can't verify that particular uh thing but i can tell you uh that things are changing uh just that uh you are seeing a a, um, leadership at the governmental level uh in these countries that uh, is more open uh, respectful and then seeing too glenn that when when you decide as a nation we are only going to have one faith and we're only going to have one interpretation of that one faith in our country, and all else are not welcome, uh, and they can easily be um, vandalized, terrorized, killed, you limit the growth of your own country. Yeah. You, you limit your potential, you, and you actually increase extremism and terrorism, and you almost uh, authorize mob violence by doing that. A number of the governments in the region are seeing this is a bad strategy for us long term. We can't grow based on this strategy, we have to be open and, and let the faiths compete uh, in an in a, in a environment that protects all faiths, being able to practice as they see fit, as long as they're peaceful. So I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen what's been happening on our, our borders, um, and uh, it has been a, a little 
agonizing um, to many people to hear the the refugee uh, word thrown around so much and and asylum thrown around for people that uh, many of them are on record stating uh, that they are here because they can't find a job or they want to finish their education in America, et cetera, et cetera. There, I'm sure there are qualified people that need asylum, uh, you know, that, that are headed towards our, our border. But it's, it's in the vast minority, I'm guessing. And it seems like we've lost touch with what a refugee really is. When, when the United States opens uh, its arms to say, we, we will provide shelter for you, uh, it, it is for something vastly different than what we're seeing on the border. Can you can you define what a what persecution looks like? What a refugee or someone who needs asylum looks like in your world of religious freedom? Well, I mean, there's there are legal definitions, and there are courts that make these determinations, and we have. Uh, hundreds of thousands, probably, of people in the United States currently seeking asylum status. And I, I pulled that number out of the air, so I'm not certain. Mm-hmm. But I'm certain it's thousands that are seeking, and courts make that determination. But generally, the situation that has to prevail is that they were from or in a country where, in their set of beliefs, they could not uh, function. They were subject to uh, terrorism, to arrest. Uh, that they were not allowed to go to school uh, or to practice their uh, freedom uh, freely, so that they had this level of systematic persecution that was taking place at the hands of the government uh, or that they had no protection uh, provided by the government and this was allowed to take place against them. Those are the, the sort of factual situations that you're looking for on an asylum status, which is which can often be pretty hard to to uh, actually achieve to meet meet the factual setting that we require to grant somebody a legal asylum status, is the the increase of religious persecution is it a factor of the governments of the world getting worse, or is it a factor that the churches have pretty much fallen asleep at the switch? Uh, you know, I ask this question of experts all the time because uh, it seemed like to me that we had a burst of religious freedom after the fall of communism. Yes, that those nations opened up. There was a, just there was a freedom that happened that they hadn't breathed for a long period of time. It was more exclusive to there, but there was a nice push of it around the world. And then that things have been constricting uh, since that period of time. And I was talking with an expert about that earlier this week, and he said, you know, it's a series of factors. It's government seeing religion and its importance uh, and its impact and then dabbling in it, in some cases funding it. But if you fund something by government, government's tentacles go into you and they tend towards control uh, of a means. In other cases, it's a political move by government where a majority faith-oriented people uh, don't like a new minority faith that's coming in, and they want them kicked out, uh, limited, and they'll pursue laws that uh, that do that. There's any number of factors, but it is probably really reflective, as much as anything, of the growing importance of religion at a time when much of the world thought religion would be in decline. Uh, the, the impact and the importance of religion is growing around the world, and governments are 
active uh, around that space, more active. So let me ask you this, and it kind of goes to what you just said. Um, as I travel the world and I am with persecuted people uh, and persecuted for their religion, I am struck by how shallow my faith really is. Um, it, it is it is remarkable for the country that is known to be one of the most religious, at least in Christianity, how shallow our faith is overall compared to those countries where Christianity is being persecuted. Those people, their faith is remarkably different. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. I, I, I'm around people weekly uh, whose faith astounds me. It's beautiful faith. And there's a, there's a calm peace uh, and joy uh, about them that you're looking this. You, you can't make that up. Uh, I, I was um, on the phone with Andrew Brunson, uh, and we worked his case. The president got him out. Uh, the president leaned in and got that done. But that man, uh, Andrew Brunson, has a remarkable calm and peaceful faith and he spent two years in a turkish prison and had great difficulty and lots of spiritual failures but towards the end getting successes and you're just going yeah yeah i I, you just see the purified faith there and that's what i get to see regularly and and people speaking clearly about miracles and signs and things that they've seen personally that have caused them to, to make this bold proclamation of their faith, it's, it's a gorgeous thing. Ambassador uh, Sam Brownback, um, you were a, a great governor and a great senator, and, uh, and thank you for all of your hard work through the years, and thank you so much for your, your work as the ambassador of uh, religious, international religious freedom. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. My honor. Take care. Thanks, Glenn. You God bet. bless you, you all. Bet. God bless. All right, our sponsor this half hour is CarShield. I'm in the middle of a CarShield experience right now. Are you nervous? Yes, my car is in the shop, and they said they have some problem with it, and I don't know, I don't even remember what it was. And uh, and I, they asked if I had any, any warranties. Now, my car is well past the manufacturer warranty. Which car is it? Uh, my, my black car. And I said, you know what? Black car. Uh, I actually do. I've got Car Shield, so what? I don't want to deal with it. You deal with them, and I don't you know, have to deal it with is, it. It is so amazing. You start to think when you're when you're doing because I have the same thing with my truck. I brought it in. I don't. I don't even really care. It's, I mean, it's horrible. It's horrible. But you go from oh dear God, what you found? What? No, 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 no. To yeah, I got Car Shield. Uh huh. Yeah, I, you can stop talking to me. Just call them. Yeah, just call them. I don't want to yeah. deal with it. Just do it's it's do. amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Car Shield, and uh, you know there is uh, you know some deductibles that may apply, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but it will take a huge load off of your mind if you have a car five thousand miles, one hundred fifty thousand miles, doesn't matter. You call Car Shield if you if your warranties are all out. Get covered now with the ultimate in coverage for your car for all kinds of repairs. I mean, a sensor. A sensor is a thousand bucks now. Right now, you can get um, uh, CarShield.com coverage right now at eight hundred Car sixty one hundred. 
800-CAR-6100. If you use the promo code BECK, you're going to save 10%. That's carshield.com, promo code BECK, carshield.com, promo code BECK, or 800-CAR-6100. Mention the promo code BECK. Deductible may apply. Uh, We're so thrilled to be at WFLA. Uh, if you have anybody wants to blame uh, anybody for my career, uh, it would be WFLA. Mm-hmm. And, Thank you. Um, and the uh, program director here at the time was Sue Trikas, who awesome. is going to see her. She's still here at WFLA. and I love this place. I I'm do, too. Just walking down the halls, it brings back so many so memories. So many memories. I, it's crazy. So this is the place memories. it started. I mean, you yeah. know, this is the mothership of the whole yeah. network. And uh, I, just I, walked by, I just walked by the studio where you and I had a conversation and I said, uh, I'm telling you, it's going to happen. And you were like, Glenn, you've been saying that forever from the first day show that we were going to replace Dr. Laura. And like three weeks, remember this? Like three or four weeks later, we get a call from Premier. And they're like, we want you for that nine to noon live thing. Uh, I, I'm a, just as much a fan of these stories as well because it's like I'm seeing a new movie. Uh, you know, it's like you're in theaters and here's a whole new brand new story that you've never heard before. Just like the audience is oh, here. You yeah. like to you like to forget them. You no, like you, to forget yeah, that one. I, Oh, you do. You I, like to I mean, that I don't know what you're talking about yeah. as usual, but I, I do. <laughs> I do remember. I mean, it was a, it, this was a great time. It was, it was a lot a great of fun, time. You know, it was a great really time. exciting. And the people here are awesome. I just I mean, every time we come back here, I love it. I yeah. love this town. I really do. Tampa's just great. It's a great place. Um, and uh, you're very excited about the barbecue, which is weird coming from Texas. You went from Texas to Tampa for barbecue. I'm sorry, but I think the best barbecue ever is uh, here at Kojak. They're going to wall you out of the state of Texas. I know. They get so picky. Mm-hmm. Every barbecue in every part is different, though. Yeah. It's, it's just different. They're different styles. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, Texas is one. There's Memphis. There's Kansas City is another big one, yeah, right? Yeah, there's yeah, a yeah, bunch yeah. of people who... But they're well, all this is Kojak's. Carolina has has a big one too, right? Bar for barbecue. Is yeah, it? I don't know. I I only I only like Kojak's. Everything else is yeah. So so your first defense of it's just different was a lie, basically, is yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. For <laughs> me, for yeah. you, yeah, yeah for okay. me. Good. No, when it comes to Texas, Texans are just like, no, it's Texas barbecue. Well, there's a difference between Texas barbecue and Kansas City barbecue. It is. It's a, yeah. just a different flavor and everything else. When it comes to Kojak's barbecue over any other barbecue, this is just the best. <laughs> Period. You're that Texas? I Keep them out of the state. Yeah. We'd hey, all be better off. Uh, come see the uh, show. You can buy your tickets. I still may be at Kojak's eating, but uh, grab your tickets now for Tampa tonight, Orlando tomorrow, glenbeck.com slash tour. Yesterday on uh, television... I got a call from a woman who said, Glenn, I need your advice. I I have a friend who's been a friend of mine since grade school. We grew up together, and we have been such close friends our whole lives. And she said, I think the turning point was on my Instagram page, I I posted a picture of the new Jerusalem um, embassy and that on the day that it was open, and I yeah, I don't remember what she said, but basically, you know, I put emoji, clapping hand emojis. And she said, I think my friend just went crazy at that for some reason. She said, I don't know what else it could have been. She said, but I just got a letter from her saying, I can't be your friend anymore. I can't talk to you anymore. And she said, I don't know what to do. I want to I want to write to her and tell her that she's wrong. And so what I su- suggested to her was 
suggest, remind her of your friendship. Remind her of all of the good times that you've had. Remind her, don't accuse her of anything. Don't say anything that you're going to regret. Don't try to win. Just say, you are such a good friend. And um, friends should be able to disagree with one another. And I don't know what I've done. And if I've done something, I uh, please forgive me. But I just want to tell you that I will always feel this way about you because we've we're more than just friends. We've been together since we were in fifth grade or fourth grade, whatever it was. Forgiveness is something that we all need to work on. And I want to play a piece of audio uh, from StoryCorps. StoryCorps has has really done some amazing things. Um, We're telling the story of of America, but they are now looking to try to get people um, across these political divides and come back together and just get to know each other again. Forget about politics. And there's been a couple of real healing things that I've heard. One was a, a woman who was um, uh, marching with, um, it wasn't Antifa, but it was a, it was a you know, a, 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 a lefty kind of thing. Uh, and there was another guy who was wearing a, Trump hat and he was protesting the protesters, you know, typical scene. Well, the protesters start surrounding this guy with a hat and they tear his hat off. Well, she's a Muslim and she was wearing a hijab and she all of a sudden felt like they're attacking like they attack me, like people attack me. And she said, back off. And they had this amazing breakthrough between two people who were on the other side of the protest. And StoryCorps got them together to tell their story, and it's really remarkable. I want to play another one for you. This one is uh, this one is uh, Mary Johnson. Her son was killed by O'Shea Israel. They were in a fight. They were teenagers in a fight, uh, and her son is killed by this guy. She is. She's got so much anger and hatred in her heart. She can't even speak of of it for about twelve years until she goes to the prison. And she shows up at Stillwater Prison, and she sits down and wants to talk to him. Listen to what happened. Here is uh, O'Shea Israel, the guy who killed her son, and Mary Johnson. You and I met at Stillwater Prison. I wanted to know if you were in the same mindset of what I remember from court, where I wanted to go over and hurt you. But you were not that 16-year-old. You were a grown man. I shared with you about my son. And he became human to me. You know, when I met you, it was like, okay, this guy is real. And then when it was time to go, you broke down and started shedding tears. And the initial thing to do was just try to hold you up as best I can. Just hug you like I would my own mother, you know. After you left the room... I begin to say, I just hugged the man that murdered my son. And I instantly knew that all that anger and the animosity, all the stuff I had in my heart for 12 years for you, I knew it was over, that I had totally forgiven you. As far as receiving forgiveness from you, sometimes I still don't know how to take it because I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. It's something that I'm learning from you. I won't say that I have learned yet because it's still a process that I'm going through. I treat you as I would treat my son. 
and our relationship is beyond belief. We live next door to one another. Yeah, so you can see what I'm doing. You know, firsthand. Mm-hmm. We actually bump into each other all the time, leaving in and out of the house. And you know, our conversations, they come from, boy, how come you ain't called over here to check on me in a couple of days? <laughs> you ain't even asked me if I need my garbage to go out. Uh-huh. I find those things funny because it's a relationship with a mother for real. Well, my natural son is no longer here. I didn't see him graduate. You know, you're going to college. I'll have the opportunity to see you graduate. I didn't see him get married. Hopefully one day I'll be able to experience that with you. Just to hear you say those things and to be in my life in the manner that which you are is my motivation. It motivates me to make sure that I stay on the right path. You still believe in me. And the fact that you can do it despite how much pain I cause you, it's amazing. I know it's not an easy thing, you know, to be able to share our story together, even with us sitting here looking at each other right now. I know it's not an easy thing. So I admire that you can do this. I love you, lady. I love you too, son. Think of that. Think of that. Dave Isay is the founder and president of StoryCorps, and he's working on a new project called uh, One Small Step, and we welcome you to the program and, and your friendship, Dave. Welcome. It's great to be back, Glenn. Thank you. So, tell, first of all, that is one of the... I mean, you've got the greatest job in the world. You really do. Yep. Um, uh, that is just remarkable. If you If you're... If you're sitting there and you're thinking, I just can't get over my hatred of it, are you kidding me? If you can't solve a problem and these two, she just called him my son, I love you, my son? Wow. What can't we get over? So, yeah, Dave, no, I, once, yep. one small step. Tell me what the idea is and how people can get involved. Sure. Um uh, and and I really appreciate you having me back on. And and I agree with you. You know, it's funny uh, uh, about about O'Shea Israel and Mary Johnson, who I actually had. They recorded this a couple of years ago at StoryCorps. I just had the privilege of meeting them for the first time uh, a couple of months ago, last month actually. And and I think you know a lot of people when they hear StoryCorps stories uh, talk about um, uh, you know crying when they hear them. And most stories, core stories aren't sad. I think what makes people cry is just as you said about Marion O'Shea is that we're, yeah, we're showing, first of all, it's authentic. It's the opposite of reality TV. You know, people aren't mm-hmm. coming on to get famous or rich. It's just this act of love. And also we're showing kind of a path that, that we can all take. And, and when you hear humanity at its best, you're kind of walking on holy ground. And there's something, you know, sacred about that. And I think that's what even the funny stories, people just start crying when they hear them. Um, we've had half a million Americans participate in StoryCorps. Um, and uh, it is a, a, an experience where two people come together with the help of a facilitator or you can use our app. We have an app and have a 40-minute conversation to talk about what's really important. People think of it as if I had 40 minutes left to live, what would I say to this person who's so important to me? And then at the end of the interview, um, you get a copy and another goes to the Library of Congress. So your great, great, great grandkids can get to 
hear who your grandmother is or who your friend is um, through her voice. And you know mm. the, better than anybody the power of voice. It's like the soul is contained in the voice, right? Um, so it, it really is, it, I think, in many ways, kind of the best expression of who we are as human beings, having these conversations as best that's possible in 40 minutes. We did um, start, and, and this is how I met you a few months ago, a something completely different for us called One Small Step. Um, and we just launched it about a month ago. And basically what we're doing is uh, everybody who's participated in StoryCorps so far has known and loved each other. And what we're doing now is putting people across the political divides, um, people who think they um, hate each other, um, think that they want uh, want feel contempt for this other human being or want them dead or whatever it is that's happened to this country. You know, it's you know, I, I I last talked to you a couple of weeks ago, and it seems like the sky's just darkened by the week. You know, it's worse now oh, than it's, it was then. It, we were ta- we opened the show up and said, "Oh, geez, it's been a rough week," and yeah. uh, we were talking about we say that every week, and it gets worse yeah. every week. Yeah. So it, yeah. you know, but there well, are and, some and I, I, good things that are happening. No, there are a lot of good things that are happening. Yeah, and 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 and, and you know, the facilitators who travel the country. Uh, in these interviews, when they come back, uh, and we've had hundreds of them, and you know they record every kind of person. The first thing they'll say when you ask them, like, "What did you learn from this experience?" They're out on the road for a year or two years, is some variation of the Anne Frank quote that people are basically good, you know, and that's everywhere, they you know. Are. But our, you know, the, I was listening to something this morning um, about talking about how you know the brain. Like we, they're the brain pathways. It's like we're building the muscle of fear because we hear fear, fear, fear all the time. And and you got to build the muscle of the truth is the the basic goodness of people. And we've got to feel I was, hope. You know, <laughs> I, I was just talking to a guy. He's he was a very very important and influential uh, CIA uh, station chief operator kind of guy. Um, and we were talking about how how much is going on in the world. And when we got to uh, solutions, um, we both said it's the human heart. You, you're not going to be able to fix anything unless we unless we soften the human heart. And I mean, I thought for a warrior to get yeah. that was was pretty remarkable. Yeah, well, you know, it's the people who have been through the hardest things that are have the 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 wisdom of of humanity, right? That's why at StoryCorps, yeah. where there are a lot of times we work with people who are you know close to death or who have been through very difficult things because they're the ones, you know, forget the celebrities and everybody else. You know, it's the it's the people who've been through tough things that 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 are the holders of wisdom. And, and I think it's, you know, and, and one of the, you know, theories of, of StoryCorps, and I don't even think it's a theory anymore, is just the idea that the, how difficult it is to hate someone when up close, you know. Yeah. And we talked about this last time, but, you know, we've just, we've forgotten as a country that, you know, that we belong to each other. And we, we've got to remember that. So, 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 Dave, you're setting out and you're looking for people um in particular um people from you know uh the conservative uh you know trump world etc cetera, etc cetera, cuz you know storycorps has heard a lot on npr um yeah. and uh and so you know everybody on on the left knows what storycorps is very few on the right really kind of know what storycorps is i do i love it um and uh you're looking for um people that 
want to come together and figure out a way to each other without talking politics. So tell me what the experience would be like for people. Sure. And and you, you summarized it perfectly. It's not about finding common ground on a political issue. It's not about um, uh, finding some middle resolution on abortion or whatever it is. It's, it's just remembering that um, – that a person who you disagree with is a living, breathing human being. Uh, and what happens is every StoryCorps interview is a 40-minute experience. You sit in a booth or um, you can use our app and we suggest questions for you to ask. Uh, we have for one small step, which is this Across the Divides initiative, we have special one small step questions. And those questions um, are just talking about your life, you know, and you can pick whatever you want to talk about, a question like, who has who's been kindest to you in your life or who are your mm-hmm. parents, you know, and then it gets into kind of politics, but not in a straight on way. Questions like, was there a moment in your life? And at some point, I'd love to you know, talk to you about this. Like, what was a moment so, in your I, life that formed your political views? Yeah. So I tell you what, Dave, next time you're on, bring another story. Next time you're on, let's go through that together a little bit. Yeah, can I'd we? love that. Um, yeah. And if you want to get involved, you can just go to storycore.org storycore.org uh and and please i urge you everything's going to be recorded in the national archives it's important that the good voices of real people are recorded for uh history purposes uh thank you so much we'll talk again have a great weekend glenn thank you 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 bet thank you all right, I want to tell you a little bit about Simply Safe, our sponsor this half hour. Simply Safe is going to keep your family safe. It's going to keep your uh, your your doors uh, locked, and anybody who opens them up, the windows open up. Somebody breaks a window, they're going to alert police. Something catches on fire, they're going to they're going to alert the fire department. Most things, excuse me, most things happen in the middle of the night. Uh, I'm sorry, in the middle of the day, not the middle of the night. Most people think, oh, I got to turn my alarm on because. You know, it's nighttime. No, they, they they don't want to meet you just like you don't want to meet them. So it's when you're gone. Now, opposite is happening, obviously, at your store. So if you're a small business owner, get Simply Safe because you turn it on during the day at home and turn it on at night when you leave. Uh, that's the way Simply Safe uh, uh, works it, the way you want it to. Under your conditions, under your rules, there's no strings, there's no contracts. You own the system. If you want the monitoring, it's $14.99 a month. That's a steep, well, I hate to use that word, Simply Safe. That's a really good deal. Uh, at Simply Safe, simplysafe.com slash Beck. Right now, they're um, uh, giving you great, uh, uh, great discounts on their products. Simply Safe. Beck.com. That's simply safebeck.com. Welcome to the program. It is Friday. We have a very exciting program for you on Monday. You do not want to miss. If you're going to only listen to one show a year, well, you've already listened to this one, so I guess. But if you're going to listen to two, Listen Monday. You don't want to miss Monday's uh, Monday's broadcast. And if you're anywhere in the Florida area, tonight we're live in Tampa. You can get your tickets to the show at glenbeck.com slash tour. Tomorrow we're in Orlando. glenbeck.com slash tour. Make sure you come and see us. It's an awful lot of fun. And we'll see you uh, back in Dallas on Monday. Don't miss it. Uh, thanks to WFLA as well are still kind of our home station in Florida, 970 WFLA. Thank you so much for your hospitality. Back. Mercury.